This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, reaching out with Rock Solid Hope in Rim Country. March 21st, 2021, Isaiah 43, 1-7. Earlier this week, a state trooper in uh, Idaho came upon an accident. He arrived at the scene, which was on a bridge, and he saw there was a 30-foot travel trailer spread across the bridge blocking traffic. But upon further investigation, he found the truck which had been pulling that travel trailer, and it was actually hanging over the side of the bridge, held on merely by the chains that were attached to the travel trailer. And it just so happened that as this travel trailer wiped out and dragged the truck over the side, the truck happened to be hanging right in the middle of the bridge over a gorge which dropped 100 feet down. The officer called out, and sure enough, the two passengers in the truck were still there and were okay, but trapped, hanging at the edge, looking down their windshield into the gorge. Can you imagine how they felt as the, the trooper called out, help is on the way, looking down at their, their fate below, the peril that they were hanging in. Sure enough, after a, a time, the, the special operations rescue team came and within six minutes of arriving the special operations rescue team had rappelled down the side of the bridge and safely brought them out and their two dogs. I'm sure that those six minutes were some of the the most fearful and yet most hopeful moments of their life as they heard people saying we're on our way we're, we're coming. Sometimes our, our peril causes us to have great fear and though we may not be dangling from the side of a bridge, we do face peril in life, and we do face fears. How do we handle them? There's not a, a rescue squad always telling us, hold on, help is on the way. But what we find in the word of our God is he tells us that he is bringing us rescue, and he tells us not to be afraid, not just for six minutes, but for a lifetime of facing dangers. That's what we see as we look at Isaiah chapter 43. And we see how God reverses our place from facing great peril and danger to rescue. Just before this portion in Isaiah 43, we see the kind of peril that Israel was in. It's actually one of the, the worst descriptions at the end of chapter 42 of what the, the nation of Israel had been facing. Yes, they, they had faced already destruction of the northern kingdom by the Assyrians. But Isaiah is speaking of looters and plunderers and fire and destruction. And after Isaiah describes all the things that are going to happen to them, he says, there is going to be no rescuer. The people of Israel are going to be scattered and scorched by the Babylonians, carried off into foreign land. And those that remain in the land would find their crops ruined, their cities burned, and everything in ruin. To hear that there would be no rescuer, all the more heightened the peril that they were facing. And Isaiah mentions all this is because of the wrath of God, because of their sin. You know, you and I might not be facing that same threat or danger right now, and we're probably not going to be hanging off the side of a bridge staring down a hundred-foot gorge. 
but we will face peril. And many perils are found in this life, and it's often a result of sin. Sometimes the, the scorching and the pain comes because of one's own sin. There, there are people who suffer because it feels like there's no rescuer as they're tied to an addiction. And they're just living for the next cash flow to come along, and they think they're beyond rescue and help. And how do you think the person feels who's facing domestic abuse, and they feel that there's no help because the, the one who's supposed to love them is causing harm, and there's no rescue and no way out? Sin leaves families scattered and ruined and leaves people scorched. Or the man or woman who's addicted to pornography and turning to that will soon find that it will ruin them, it will scorch their hearts, and it will leave their family in scattered ruins. We see what happens with people with sin and the scorching and the scattering it brings. And if you don't feel right now as if you're in great peril because of it, certainly you recognize the dangers and certainly you recognize the pains around you. We are like those disciples of Jesus who understand what he meant, that there are those, as he mentions in Matthew 5, who mourn, those who are poor in spirit, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness in a world scattered and scorched by sin. And the church, we see God's people, his church today, destroyed by factions and false teaching. And we look at the state of God's kingdom and we see how many divisions there are and how scattered God's people are because of these factions. And we, at times, ourselves have felt scorned or scorched because of such divisions. And, yes, sometimes it's also because of our own sin that we feel the effects of being scattered and scorched or because we live in a sin-cursed world. The people of Israel were told they'd have no rescuer, at least no rescuer in this life that they could call to who was of this world. And they couldn't call out and hear a voice saying, help is on the way, but they didn't need to. They didn't need to look for some earthly rescuer. They didn't need to hear some special operations rescue team saying, we're going to recover you. Because they heard what we see in Isaiah 43, the Lord himself speaking of his rescue. Isaiah 43 starts with, this is what the Lord says. This is not just Isaiah's idea or plan to get them out of their mess. This is not merely some wishful thinking of some rescue team. No, this is what the Lord says. The word of their God speaking to them. He is the rescuer who calls out words of comfort. The Lord who created you, O Jacob. The Lord who formed you, O Israel. Their rescue comes from the one who made all things and the one who has planned out their life, their creator God. And he says, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid? Why? Because I have redeemed you. That is, God bought the people of Israel. He paid for them. Yes, there might be times when they have experienced great peril, when the Egyptians were enslaving them, and they were drowning their firstborn in the Nile River, their God, and there were times when the Assyrians would burn their towns. And there would be times when the Babylonians would scatter them and throw them into fiery furnaces to submit and subdue them. 
But God says, I've redeemed you. You don't belong to the Egyptians. You've been rescued. You don't belong to any other nation. He says, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Israel could know that the rescue call from the Lord himself was theirs because the Lord bought them. He says, when you cross through the waters, I will be with you. When you cross through the rivers, they will not sweep you away. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flame will not set you on fire. And God did this, right? When the Israelites left Egypt, where they were being drowned to death as their firstborns were being killed, they left it by crossing through the waters. And God rescued them, and their enemies drowned. And God rescued the people later on, we see, as the three men were thrown into the fiery furnace, but God sent his angels and the fire did not touch them. God did this. He moved the events and courses of history for those he called his own, the people he redeemed. Why did he do this for them? Because I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Make no mistake, the the people of Israel did deserve the fire and the flood. They did deserve to face the punishment that came their way. But God would redeem them. God would call them his own. And he says, he does this because I'm your God and because I'm your savior. That is, he did it all in grace, undeserved love for Israel. The next section describes the the exchange, the, the redemption he did for them. God says, I gave Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Sheba in exchange for you. Because you are precious and honored in my eyes and I love you, I myself love you, I will give people in exchange for you, peoples in exchange for your life. And God did that. Throughout history, we see God puts in grace his people of Israel on top of the page of history and puts their priority first so that other nations must submit to the will of God. The king, Cyrus, came, and he saw the wealthy nations of Egypt, Seba, and Cush, and he crossed over the land of Egypt where the Babylonians ruled. And in the year 539, the king Cyrus, who in a sense was baited or bribed by these wealthy nations, freed the nation of Israel. God gave up Egypt, Cush, all those other lands and peoples for the sake of his people. They were most precious to him. And God would move history to make them his own. And then God says, they will not remain scattered. I will say to the north, give them back. And to the south, do not hold them. Bring my sons from far away, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name. We begin to see here that that God's plan of Israel's rescue extends even further than one might picture at first. God says, everyone to the ends of the earth called by my name. That is to say, we recognize where our help is. The Lord has spoken to you in his word. And the Lord has told you, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And the redemption that God won for you and for the ends of the earth is a far greater redemption than the nation of Egypt or the peoples of Sheba or Cush. God's own son came down from heaven, 
to give exchange for your life. And so that you and I might escape the peril and the wrath, the fire that is coming on this world and the judgment of our God, he came to exchange himself for you. God says, do not be afraid. I have redeemed you. The Son of God, in exchange for your life, gave up his life on the cross so that you would belong to him. And he tells you, you are mine. I have called you by name. Think about how God put his name on you as he used and called on your name in your baptism. With those waters washing in the the words of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God called you by name. And God made you his own. And God makes you precious in his sight and promises you that whatever comes your way, he will be with you. And the fire will not destroy you, not even the fires of judgment on the last day, as he raises you back to life. And you are his. And after this world has been destroyed, after the floods and after the fires, God says, I will say to the north, give them back. And to the south, do not hold them. Bring my sons from far away, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, everyone I created for my glory, everyone I formed, yes, everyone I have made. God will call your name, and he will bring you and all his people, all the scattered church from the ends of the earth, and those who thought there was no hope or rescue, who turned to the Lord and called on his name, will be rescued, rescued from abuse rescued from the traps and terrors of sin, rescued from the fires of judgment, as they have the name of the Lord their God on him, on them. And God will bring you and all his people, everyone he has made, back together to be treasured. Why does he do this? Because I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. We see once again how God reverses our place in grace. He takes us as we are destined to face so many perils and trials, and we ought to face the fires, and we ought to face the floods, and we ought to be like that couple staring down the windshield, looking at that gorge a hundred feet below, our destruction, sure. But there's the voice calling out, don't be afraid. Help has come. And it's the Lord himself saying, I have redeemed you. You are mine. I will gather you, protect you, and treasure you. Everyone I have made. And he reverses our place from scattered and scorched to gathered and adored. Amen. Please stand. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Amen.